0: Buenos dias, buenos tardes, buenas noches. No importa donde te encuentres mientras escuchas esto. Estas sin en el único podcast deportivo, canceribos y baraz. Esa una cosa en blanco y negro con A1 y Award. No, 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 no. You didn't hit the SAP button on your listening device or if you're watching live on YouTube. It's just your boy. Just came from Mexico, and I've been on my Duolingo lately. You know what I'm saying? What's happening? What's happening? Hola, mi amigas. Huh? Y'all good? Y'all good out there? Y'all doing good? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Like I said, man, I I ain't never been out the country before. I, I was on the Canadian side of uh, Niagara Falls. I don't really, that don't really count. This is my first time ever being international. You know, not just. Just felt like I learned a little bit, learned a little bit while I was out of town. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to greet y'all with a little uh, Spanish flair, you know, so that I'm 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 working on being bilingual. You heard, you heard. So we appreciate you, you joining us this evening. You can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing by going to the podcast app of your choice, searching for It's a Black and White Thing, searching for Brains and Bars, rate, review, subscribe. All those good things. You can do the same thing by searching us out on YouTube, by searching Brains and Bars on YouTube. Rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. We appreciate everyone who checks us out, whether it be in the audio or the visual version of this show. Um, you can check out my guy, A-Ward. I am A-Ward in his absence. He's out today. Let me take off my, you know. I usually call those my scammers, but those, those were the international International Travelers right there with me. Um, You can check out my guy, A-Ward, I am A-Ward um, on, I think it's I am underscore A-Ward on Twitter. I think it's I am A-Ward on, I gonna say Facebook, on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think any other introductions I need to get out the way. Oh, you can check out the show by checking us. You can check out the show uh, Twitter profile, the Instagram profile, the TikTok profile, um, the U- the Facebook profile by searching Brains and Bars. Follow us there. If you want to really follow me, follow me on on uh, Twitter. That's where we're the most heaviest, which is where I am the most of the time. So check us out at Brains and Bars on Twitter. Uh, man, you know, my guy, A-War, he's got some stuff going on tonight. I want to try to make sure that we are consistent with doing weekly shows. So I'm here. I'm solo dolo tonight. I appreciate those of you who are going to be with me over the course of the next Thirty to forty-five minutes, maybe an hour long, as we talk about NBA in-season tournament recap. As we talk about what happened in Week 14 of the NFL, looking ahead to Week 15 of the NFL, um, got an interesting show lined up for you tonight. And if you know, if you want to join me, you're more than welcome to uh, join in by commenting. I might throw those, the streamyard link out there, so if you want to jump on, the, if you want to jump in, talk to me about what you want to talk about for a couple of minutes. You're more than welcome to. I might throw that in the Facebook podcast. Group. So check us out. All right. So let's get into it, man. Let's have some fun tonight. All right. What else you doing on this Thursday night? I know y'all not watching that football game tonight. I know, I know you're not watching that football game with two backup quarterbacks, no Keenan Allen, no Josh Jacobs, no Justin Herbert. I mean, the Raiders ain't had no quarterback even when they had Jimmy G there. So yeah, Aiden O'Connell. I know you're not watching that. Even if you got people fantasy-wise, gambling-wise, man. Listen, don't waste your time. Friends, let me let me, let me me help, help you to something. Friends, don't let friends watch bad football. And what you're going to be subjected to tonight on Thursday night football is bad football. Believe me. Don't waste your time. Kick it with your boy for the next 30 to 45 minutes. and go on with the rest of your night. Do what you got to do. Be cool how you be cool. All right? All right. So let's get into it, man. Let's get into the NBA first. Um, over the weekend, you had the NBA Cup, the end-season tournament wrapped up. In Vegas, the Los Angeles Lakers took home the inaugural NBA Cup and were crowned champions of the first one. And I just kind of want to give a a quick little recap of the tournament. I thought it was a pretty dope tournament, a pretty interesting setup as someone who has um, as someone who has become. Uh, Someone who has been an NBA fan who has said that the NBA is the best league around, even I have to admit that as I have gotten older, I have become more hyper-focused around college football, pro football, than I have the NBA, and I normally do not tune into the NBA until Christmas. I kind of watch a game here and there. I do not partake, even though I have league pass, I haven't in the past few years have not been as heavily involved in NBA league pass as I have in other years, um, but the in-season tournament caught my attention because I was interested to see what it was going to look like, what the atmosphere would look like for the players. Would they? Would it have a playoff-type atmosphere? Would the games be a little bit more intense than a normal re- normal regular season game? And I think that the NBA got that right. If you watch games like um, in the in-season tournament between um, the Thunder and the Warriors, that game came down to the buzzer. That game had a lot of intensity to it. Um, there were games that the Bucs, and I want to say, not the, maybe the Celtics, I forget who they played, but it might have been the Celtics, where that game had a lot of hype. So, no, it wasn't the Celtics. They were in different tiers. But there were just different games across the board that had uh, more of a a playoff feel and atmosphere to it. I think the Kings and uh, the Warriors, That the Warriors played a lot of high intensity basketball games during the during the end season tournament where they had you the players played as if there was more at stake and as if there was more going than just a regular run of this mill game going on and so to me the NBA nailed it from that aspect I thought it was pretty cool we talked about the course we talked about the designs you either loved it or hated I don't feel like there was really in between and in between there um and so again I thought they got a lot of this right and I think if you watched. Um, for example the NBA Cup gave you an opportunity to almost like the NCAA tournament to create new stars and I feel like the Indiana Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton was the equivalent of a a NC the 12 seed that has a really good player and a decent team that got introduced to America at large Um, and I to me what really drives that point home is when the Pacers played uh, the Celtics in the uh, quarterfinals, right? That first round uh, knockout stage game. And I had one of my homies, shout out to my homie Dre. My homie Dre was like, uh, his son was like, man, the, the Pacers, who cares about the Pacers, right? As this game was in its early stages, then Tyrese Halliburton starts to go crazy in the second half. And he's like, yo, like this team, this Pacers team is crazy. Tyree Taliburg is going off like this is I'm interested in who the who he is and who in this team now. And to me, I've heard little anecdotes like that throughout that entire run of the NBA Cup of people being introduced to new players, being introduced to new teams, people finding out about Oklahoma City and the fact that this is a real team. This is a team that made the uh, the play in tournament last year for the playoffs, right? They didn't make it into the actual uh, big dance in, in, in the playoffs, but they were competitive. They were interesting. And now you're seeing them with Chet Hongren with, with SGA, who might be a top five player in the league right now with, uh, oh, man, forget, I'm blanking on the young man's name. I think it's Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams, right? They both have, they have two Jalen Williams, but the one that the guard forward, Jalen Williams, being introduced to those guys, Lou Dort, right? These players that you might not have paid attention to before, you're paying attention to them now. Um, And it, it, to me, that was cool. That was fun, right? To see America get introduced to those teams. Um, I also think that uh, the Lakers winning it for your first one, I think is the outcome that you wanted. You wanted a glamor franchise, your Boston's, your LA's, your Miami's to walk away with the championship. And I think having a LeBron led team, walking away with the championship is a good outcome for the league. And I'm not I'm not mad at that. Um I also think one of the cool things that I think came out of this that if you are a fan of the 80s and 90s that you liked was the fact that you got a little rivalry uh that came out of the IST, right? So I'm interested to see the next time Celtics and Pacers play each other. Um, you know, the way NBA rules are is that when the game is over, you normally dribble the clock out. You don't try to Score to show up the other team. But you had at the end of Celtics Pacers, you had Aaron Neesmith, who used to be a a Celtic, emphatically dunking the ball. Arena's going crazy. Pacers go crazy. So I'm curious to see the next time those two teams match up, what the energy is like between those two. The Celtics didn't seem to take it any type of way or seem like they felt any type of way, but we won't know until they match up again. But another Game involving the Pacers, who, if you have watched them play, are are basically first their their the their theology, <laughs> their ideology, their method methodology for for their team is first to one thirty wins, right? They I've tweeted out that the Pacers are basically all offense and vibes. That's it, right? They're not playing defense. They don't really care about defense. They'll sc- they want you to score just so they can get the ball back and try to score in their end. And When they took on the the Bucks in the semifinals of the uh, NBA Cup, it got it was a an intense game. That was a heated game. Um, you had Tyrese Halliburton hitting the big shot, and then he does the Dame time selly, right? He's pointing to it's his time now. Um, and then just last night they had another matchup. The Bucks handily defeated the Pacers. Uh, Giannis goes for I believe a team record sixty four points. And then you had the the whole incident after the game, where Giannis wants the ball. He's running through the hallways. Uh, I think they were in Milwaukee. He's running in the bowels uh, of I think it's the Five Serve Arena, trying to find the basketball that they have given to Oscar Sheebway because he scored his first point. You can now, granted, I know there's a there's a site that purports to have the audio of what happened, so you can hear you know players saying, "Go get the ball! Get out of here!" Don't give it to him. Don't give it to him. You can hear all this kind of back and forth going on about this basketball. Giannis wants his ball and he wants to go home. The Pacers have it. He was given a basketball, but then there's some uh, uh, thought that that might not have been the actual game ball, that they just gave him a basketball. So you have these small little rivalries that you have the opportunity to create within the IST that going forward I think should be interesting. Um, and I'm curious to hear what y'all think. Do y'all think that the in-season tournament was successful, that it was a good tournament, that it is something that you would tune into next year? Um, shout out to Ethan Strauss, um, who is a writer who has covered the NBA for a long time, both on a national level, local level. He covered the Warriors for a bit during their, at the height of their run. And he wrote an article saying that the I.C. was a failure because it didn't generate large headlines. And I don't agree with that take. I don't think that, uh, that this is something that you can measure in terms of success right away. To me, the, the future of the IST is going to be determined on what happens five years from now. How in tune are we in next year, right? When this thing rolls around next year, how in tune will the NBA populace be? How in tune with a casual fan? This is something that's going to take years of ramp up to get generate that casual fan interest. But i, I tell you this much. Next year, when you have the highlight, when it's time for this thing to be rolled out again, and we get an actual, um, like a, a almost like a schedule release, right? When you start to say, "Oh, who's going to be in Group A? Who's going to be in Group B?" Right? and When you start to have these matchups and these inter- interesting pool play matchups roll out, where well, they treat it like like that and build some hype around it, I think this first year was kind of like, "All right, guys, here it is, in season tournament. This is what we're doing." Here, go to this page to, to read the frequently asked questions, which I did several times to try to, to try to decipher what exactly what, what this meant, what's going on, how it works, so on and so forth. When you get that highlights package and you start to see, you know, LeBron holding up that small trophy, right? With the, I think it was medals or wrist, I think it was the actual title, right? Because they didn't get rings, right? When you start to see them with the medals and you see him holding up the trophy, you see some. A Tyrese Halliburton's performance, SGA's performances, Steph's performances, Lucas' performances. You start to see what these guys were doing on this court, and you have that highlights package, so you'll start to really see if this is taking hold with fans, which I think, again, I think it's a great idea. It's It's got people to talk about the NBA regular season before Christmas in ways I have not seen in quite some time. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a success for this first go-round, right? I think it's going to pick up casual more casual fans who pay attention to smaller market teams i think it's a, it was great that you had a new orleans you had an indiana in that quarterfinal group um and i think if you start to have more of those small market teams that's something that the league uh is, is going to be happy with because you're getting the eyes of america on those things now i'm curious to also see what tweaks they're going to make to the end season tournament um and i i saw this on twitter and i i didn't uh i didn't Uh, get the username because it wasn't like a prominent user it was just a you know regular joe like myself who said they need to move the tournament to conclude on christmas day and i think that's a really great idea christmas for a lot of people is seen as the true start of the nba season you normally have blockbuster matchups and if you could somehow program it to where you have in that early afternoon time slot or even the late evening time slot because it is vegas if you could have the finals of the of the nba cup take place during christmas day when you're going to have some of your the the, the biggest uh from a viewership standpoint biggest amount of, of viewers watching during that time I think that's a great idea, especially if you're going to have a team like an Indiana or a New Orleans or an OKC or in a couple of years. Right. If San Antonio can figure out what they're doing, you can have a San Antonio and a, and a Victor Wembanyama as the highlight of one of your your NBA Cup championship games. I think that's a great idea. I think it's harder for the NBA to pull off because you have uh, part of the reason they did this so early Shot the Mama Ward in the building. Um, I appreciate you. Um, part of the reason why the NBA does the NBA season in-season tournament so early is because of the scheduling. It's You're basically taking a bunch of matchups and just throwing them all together, right? So you're trying to, to, if you wait till later in the season, now you have other teams who have played each other. You want to try to maintain your schedule balance. And the later you wait to throw that tournament on, the harder it is to schedule these matchups because teams might have already played each other once, maybe twice, right? And so you're trying to keep that schedule balanced. And so I understand why they do it so early in the season. But if they could somehow push it back a couple of weeks so that it concludes on Christmas Day, to me, that's a win for the league. It's a win for those teams. That's something that they should embrace. I think the other part of the tournament that I find to be interesting, that I'm curious about as it goes forward, you have LeBron James and the Lakers winning it, right? And so you have LeBron James, even in year 21, is still the face of the NBA, right? Like that, he is still the man. And so with him getting to a place where he, this could be his last year in the league, right? We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he tries to hold on and wait for Bronny. To join the league so he can play say that he played against him but if we get to a space where let's say, let's say LeBron retires after this year who is the next face of the league right we had this we had this issue in the post-Jordan era of trying to find who was the defining face of the league um, I think collectively you had Shaq and Kobe in those early years and then we kind of those were the default de facto guys until we got LeBron. Who is the next face in the league? Is it Victor? Is it Joel? Is it uh, shout out to, uh, to <laughs> my guy, Vita Van Pelt? He says, Luca is in position to be the next face, but are we as Americans here to have a non- I mean, for lack of a better term, an immigrant, right? To have a non-American be the face of the league. I thought John Morant was going to be that guy, but John Morant uh, has dropped the ball in a lot of ways. So who's going to be that next face? Like if LeBron is not with the Lakers next year, is it Tatum? Is it Luca? Joel? Joel is, is definitely a charismatic face, right? He's, a, he's definitely someone who's not afraid of the camera, not afraid of the limelight. Is it Victor? who is that going to be? So y'all hit me up and let, 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 let me know. So from an American standpoint, Tatum, I I mean, Booker. Yeah. Yeah. Tatum or Booker, I think is a good, uh, is a good idea from an American standpoint. I mean, I think Tyrese Halliburton um, he doesn't play in a large market. So, you know, would, would he look at, Moving to an LA, right? Like, do the Lakers say, "Hey, we don't have LeBron anymore. We need a new star." Do we get Tyrese Halliburton? I mean, I think he's a he is a low key but somewhat charismatic guy. So, I mean, I, I find that to me, that's that's what I want to know. Um, I like Jason Tatum. So, this comment: Jason Tatum is is extremely accomplished without that ring and MVP. Yeah, I mean, Tavita, yeah, he is. But I don't know if Tatum is necessarily a charismatic face from an American standpoint um (laughs) don't this comment says don't worry in two years the NBA will move LaMelo to LA listen that might be the move right like I mean that again once LeBron is gone you don't have a cares like a top face in the NBA that that you can say that this is the guy. Right. And they're going to have to figure something out. So we'll see what happens. Y'all let me know who y'all think who should be the next face of the league. Once LeBron steps away from the NBA, um, I want to say this, too. Right. I, I've, I've been critical of the NBA in terms of its broadcast partners in terms in, in terms of them not being. A pro basketball. Right. There's always a lot of critique. There's always a lot of of hate. Uh, and and I want to close out on this by saying this, right? Charles Barkley said he was going to roast the Lakers because they were going to put a, a banner up for winning the end season tournament. And I find I find that to be anyone who wants to criticize them for putting up a banner, I find it to be hypocritical. And here's why. We in America love winning. We glorify winners to a fault, right? We exalt Michael Jordan. We exalt Tom Brady. Um bill russell i'm trying to think other great winners like in terms of brands and franchises the yankees the lakers the celtics right these are glamour franchises in part because they are winners right the patriots still hold a, a spot in our collective consciousness because of what they accomplished over the last 20 years so this idea that we are going to denigrate the Lakers because they are celebrating an accomplishment to me. Um, And when I, I, what I'm interested in seeing is as LeBron transitions out of basketball, will he take up that mantle as an ambassador for the game that kind of Kobe had? Um, If you listen to the show, you know, I've, I've said this before that, one of the greatest losses that the M- that the NBA took in in losing Kobe Bryant so early is that he was setting himself up to be an ambassador for the game that pushed the game from uh, an X's and O's standpoint, kind of how people look at Peyton Manning and what he does with with his brother, right? Except with his show detail on ESPN, he was pushing the X's and O's of the game to. Uh, instruct and enlighten casual NBA fans about the intricacies of basketball and to make it fun, right? To appreciate what you're watching. And so I do wonder if LeBron, as he starts to fade out the scene as a player, if he'll pick up that mantle. Now, a guy who I think who would be perfect for that because he loves basketball, he's passionate about it, is KG. I think KG would be perfect to be that type of ambassador for the game, because if you watch his clips, you watch him talk about basketball, you watch him talk about celebrating these new stars, and 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 and, and being appreciative of what we're watching. Shout out to JC in the building. What's up, JC? Um, he loves the game. The only problem with having uh, KG be the face of the game and be that brand ambassador. That brother love cussing. Like he is perfect where he is right now, at Showtime, because he gets to drop all the f bombs, all the n words, all whatever cuss words you want. KG's gonna say it, right? But if he could somehow find a way to uh, muzzle his his want and his uh, his willingness to drop curse words on national TV, he could absolutely be that brand ambassador that the league needs. To get the casual fan into the game and want and and to watch regular season basketball games, I think this is a great analogy. Tavita says KG is the Bernie Mac mentor. Like, a- absolutely. Like, he's going to speak his mind. He's going to say what he wants when he wants, and he's going to do it with lots of cursing. And that's that's fine. That's fine. But I mean, like I said, I think he would be be perfect for that. Y'all, let me know who y'all think, man. Let me know who y'all think. To be the next face of the league. Let me know um, who, who y'all think would be a great brand ambassador if it's not LeBron. H- how at me, how at me. Also, if you're on Facebook, if you're on my personal Facebook page, I just dropped in the comments uh, a link. If you want to pull up on the show, you can while I'm here for the next, uh, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. All right, man, let's jump into the NFL, right? NFL week 14 just went down um, and we had a, a couple of interesting storylines. Somehow the Chiefs find themselves at the center of of controversy at the center of attention once again they had a game against uh they had their game against the I'm blanking out who they just played here the bills right 325 cbs game goes down to the wire one of the final plays of the game you, you we've all seen it right um, the pass to Uh, Travis Kelsey, Travis Laterals back to Kadarius Toney. They score the touchdown. However, a flag on the play, Kadarius lined up offsides. A penalty you rarely see called. Play comes back. Chiefs lose. All right. So I want to holler at Chiefs fans real quick because I want to get to the larger point about that particular play. I've seen a lot of talk about, uh, you know, the offense, they're getting better. Rasheed Rice is getting more snaps. It seemed like they're getting a good rotation. They're getting a good, uh, consistent rotation of guys. They just got to stop the stupid penalties. They just got to stop dropping passes. They just got to stop. And I don't, listen, I don't know what the five stages of grief are. Right? Let me look it up real quick. What are, what are the five stages of grief? Because I feel like we are in the denial stage as it relates to Chiefs fans. All right? So let me see. Uh, okay, this is not giving me exactly what I thought in terms of the five stages of grief. Are there seven stages or five? Y'all help me out. I don't know. Anyway, the, the Chiefs fans are in denial. We are in week 14, headed to week 15. And even Travis Kelsey said, we're going to figure it out. He says, I understand we sound like a a uh we sound like a broken record at this point of saying that we're going to get it together. And I just, yeah, I just I don't know how you can have any I guess I understand why you have to have optimism right because it's your favorite team you have to have optimism because it's your squad you have to have hope and then in past seasons where the Chiefs have had these little issues with their offense or with their team in general they've been able to turn it around and they've been able to make deep playoff runs if not win the Super Bowl but as it relates to your offense penalties are a problem execution is a problem a uh, focus is a problem and it's been a problem all season long. And I don't know how you can have hope that this team is going to fix those things with only four games left in the season. Right. And I remember around oct- early October, there was all this talk about, oh, man, the Chiefs Arrowhead invitation is on again. We about to have the division wrapped up by Halloween. The, the Chargers stink. The Raiders stink. The Broncos stink because they were one and, one and five at that point, and now you look up with, with four weeks left to play. You are only one game ahead of the Broncos, and listen, I don't know if the Broncos will win all their games, but I think if you had this question, which fan base should be more confident that their game that their team can go and undefeated down the stretch, it's the Broncos because they should be favorites in all of their remaining games. All right, let me see who they got left on this schedule here. They got uh, the uh, – no nope, I no, almost said the wrong team. They got the Lions. I mean, the Lions are at home. They should be favorites in that game. If not, it should be really close in terms of the spread. But the Lions have been going backwards as of late. They got the Patriots. That should be a dub. They got the Chargers. The Chargers just lost their quarterback for the year. And they got the Raiders. Now, granted, that's a road game to close out the season, but it's still the Raiders – who are starting a rookie quarterback the Broncos should feel very confident that they can win the last four games the Chiefs I mean the Chiefs should feel confident that they can win their last four games the Patriots stink the Raiders eh, you were down 14-0 to the Raiders just two three weeks ago right now granted they went on the 31-3 run to close it out but they were down 14 zip the Bengals looking look Jake Browning looks like a competent NFL quarterback so that's not a gimme anymore. And the Chargers, yes, you should beat them because they lost their starting quarterback. Right. But again, I don't know how confident I would be as a Chiefs fan when the same issues that have been a problem week seven are still a problem in week 14. And I don't know how you fix that at this point. Now, let's talk about the play in, in general here. The Kadarius Sony play. He lines up offside. Patrick Mahomes is going off, and I understand people on the internet want to call him a crybaby. Oh, they're they're crying. He's a golden boy. He gets all the calls. So I'll address that in just a second. Yes, the officials got the play right, but I do think the Chiefs have a legitimate gripe about officiating as a whole. You had the Juwan Taylor issue where he was being cited for being likely. Where when you look across the league, tackles all across the league are lining up too far off the line of scrimmage. Jawan Taylor was being flagged for false starts, where, again, I have said this repeatedly, both here and on social media, Lane Johnson is the OG of quick starts. He is always starting a half a second, a millisecond, before the ball is snapped and he's moving backwards. And you look across the league. This is happening league-wide, but yet only one right tackle, was being flagged for it consistently. And that was Jawan Taylor. By now, you've seen the video of Kadarius Tony lining up offside all game long. And I'll say this, because Mahomes made mention of it, as far as that particular part of the game goes. I can equate what Tony was doing to when you take the SAT, and when you take the SAT, I'm, at least when you used to. I'm old, so maybe they don't do this anymore. You used to get points for spelling your name right. Kadarius Tony, by lining up offside all the time, is not spelling his name correctly. Like that's what that's what's happening with him. He's not spelling his name right on the paper by line. All you got, and the, my thing with Tony is he's in a slot. So all you got to do is look down at the ball and go, man, is my head even with that ball? If my head is even with that ball, That means my foot is likely even with the ball. If not past it, I need to take a step back. So there's that. But I think the Chiefs do have a right to be upset with the officiating. I tweeted out several times this year that the NFL has a refereeing problem. Because there are times when obvious penalties, um, I'll talk about the Chiefs. Uh, against the, the Packers, right? A f- obvious pass interference call. Now, the call on, on Mahomes where he gets the the roughing, the unnecessary roughness penalty because he gets hit on his way out of bounds, that's a bang-bang play, and the officials are going to always look to protect quarterbacks, right? So while it's the wrong call, bang-bang play, I get it, right? But then you look across the league, man. I As a Niner fan, I felt the game against the Browns was not officiated well on both sides, but it definitely didn't benefit the the, the Chiefs. I mean, the, I'm sorry, the Niners. And so with the margins being so slim between who is good, because there is no great team in the NFL this year. The Niners are probably the closest we have to a great team, but even they are, are capable of hiccups. So without there being a clear, and a way, great team in the league this year, the margins are thinner than ever before. These calls are game altering calls. Now the chiefs had opportunities to, to, to to win the game against the Packers, the opportunities to still get uh, into field goal range or to score a touchdown against the bills. They didn't do it. However, when you are missing these calls that messes with the mentality of a team, it really does. And so, it is incumbent upon the NFL to do whatever they can to fix this. To me, the big fix is you need to have um, what is called like in soccer, they have a video assisted review model, right? That will take the time to check a play to see if a potential handball has happened, if, fi- if a red card needs to be uh, assessed in a-, in a match. To me, the NFL, you got the home office who's watching every game as it is. If they get a call wrong, the V A R should step in and say, hey, that was passing interference, guys. Like, we want to make sure that we are officiating these games correctly and that we are being fair to all teams to give them an opportunity to compete for a championship. Because you, have, I mean, that, that Packers game, this Bills game could be the difference for the Chiefs between having home field advantage and playing a game in Arrowhead or having to go to Baltimore or Miami or potentially Jacksonville, right? Like it. These, this, these are the differences between winning and losing. And as Roger Goodell came out and said today that, well, I don't understand what all the hubbub is. The officiate, the, the call was the right call. Our officials do a great job. They do a pretty good job. It's not, it's not excellent. It's not great. Whatever adjective he used to describe their performance. Because the thing that the NFL's got to be careful of is some. Fan or fans getting screwed out of a gambling bet that they've made and deciding to file a, cl- a class action lawsuit against the league. To me, that's the thing they've got to be careful of, and they've got to get this cleaned up because at some point, some fan and they've already tried it once, right? Some fans try to get together and file a a lawsuit against the league because they felt that the Bengals did not disclose that joe burrow's arm was hurt he ends up tearing a tendon and he's done for the season right and so at some point dad what's going on at some point an official is going to blow a call in a playoff game in a do or die game in a regular season or the playoffs or the super bowl and a large contingency of people who have money on the game are going to try to sue because they're going to say because of the incompetence of your officiate, it cost me money. And because it cost me money, I want my bread back. I want, I want what I lost because of you. Now, maybe the courts throw it out. Maybe the courts say, hey, this is the risk you take when you gamble, so on and so forth. But the NFL has at its disposal right now the ability to not allow the two or three calls a game that end up being the talking points of of that of that following week not happen and they're doing nothing. They're just letting it happen. They're just letting bad calls stand because well, they are the NFL and you're going to watch. Okay. Don't, don't test the collective wills of people. Don't, especially as it relates to their, their pockets. That's all I'm saying, Roger. Somebody let Roger see this segment. Hey, you might want to talk with the officials in the offseason about having a VAR system in place. To look at roughing penalties, to look at pass interference. To me, those are the two big ones. Those are the two big ones that they need to have oversight on because those are spot files in the case of pass interference. There are 15 yard penalties and automatic first downs on, on roughing and un- unnecessary roughness calls, especially on quarterbacks in the pocket. And sometimes they do not get them right. And in a sport where rules are black and white, shout out to the show. There is no gray area with NFL rules. You need to make sure if there's no room for nuance, if there's no room for gray area, if if it's either a foul or it is not, you need to make sure that you are getting not just the small ones right, but also the big ones. Y'all let me know what y'all think, man. What should the NFL do about its officiating system? Is it perfectly fine? Does it need some type of reform? Does it need some type of change? Does it need a review system? In place to uh, to over to have some type of oversight for these type of calls. Um, let me know what y'all think, man. All right, man. Let's keep it moving. So let's talk about the Cowboys real quick. Let's talk about the boys real quick, man. Um, so the Cowboys they had a, a huge game Sunday night. They defeated the Eagles. Uh, forgive me, I don't know the final score. I think it was like thirty to thirteen or something like that. Um, and guys, do we gotta start taking the Cowboys serious? I feel like we got to start taking the Cowboys serious. Um, my, shout out to my uncle. He says hire full-time referees. I don't think that fixes the problem, by the way. I don't think hiring full-time referees is the fix for this issue. Um, I do think they need a video review over top of it. Uh, but, yeah, but back to the Cowboys. I, I'll put it to you like this in 20 now this is a terrible analogy because the cowboys have had more success than the team i'm about to mention 2014 2015 i um living in kansas city i'm not a i'm a cubs fan but i'm not and i'm not a a supporter of the royals i don't really care if they do well or not it's better for the city when the Royals are good but they got to be 2014 They got to be really good um they were you know, they were a wildcard team. They ended up making the, the World Series. They lost in game seven to the the um, the San, San Francisco Giants. And during that run, I said, you know, listen, hey, hey, Royals, don't play with my, with my friends' hearts here. Because I have several friends who are super Royals fans that are really into the team. And I'm like, look, don't play with their hearts. Don't build their hopes up just to crush them, right? And – I say over the years, the Cowboys, over the last, like, since during the Dak era, right, they have played with the hearts of the fans of their franchise. They've gotten their hopes up. First of all, it's not like it takes a lot to get Cowboys hopes up because every year they think they're going to the Super Bowl. Every year they think they're going to win the Super Bowl. So it's not as if it takes a lot to get get their hearts and, and their blood pressure pumping anyway. But there have been times, moments of the of over this DAC era where they've been really good and they have gotten the hopes of their fans up that they could be something more. Right. And so, you know, they they are now what, 10 and 3? They just had a huge win over the Eagles. They are, are pretty much unstoppable at home. They now lead the division. They're the number two team in the NFC behind the Niners. And I think it might be time to take this team serious. Um I don't, I don't know if the Niners go on the road to San Francisco if they can beat them. I think they're definitely going to be motivated if they go to San Francisco. I do think they have the confidence that no matter where, the, if they have to, let's just say they lose their next game, right? I don't, I don't know what their, their schedule is, and I can look it up real quick. But let's just say they lose one more game. They end up as a, as a wild card team, not a division winner. They have the confidence with how they played in Philadelphia and how they played at home against Philadelphia that if they have to see them that they can beat them. Um, but their schedule is really tough. They got Bills, Dolphins, Lions back to back to back. Only one of those games will be at home. They're at Buffalo, at Miami, back to back. And again, I think we have to take the Dallas Cowboys for the first time in. A long time as a serious threat to win the nfc um and i think they now have the confidence outside of san francisco that if they go to philly they go to detroit they go um oh god forbid they have to go to like atlanta or some terrible nfc south team to play in the first round of the playoffs that they can win and compete and beat anybody to me the last hurdle the final step for them is they got to beat San Francisco. They got to be competitive. They really haven't been competitive with San Francisco in the last two games. But, yeah, I think the Cowboys are a team that we have to take serious. Dak, granted, while I don't think a quarterback should be the MVP, Dak is playing at an MVP level. Dak is, I think, is the leading candidate for MVP. And I think we – listen, the last thing I want is the Cowboys to win a championship because – on the list of insufferable fan bases that could potentially win a championship, they are number one with the bullet. Absolutely, like you do not want them to win a title because the gloating, the pats on the back, the the boys—it is going to be a lot, guys. I got listen. My dad is in the comments now. The Cowboys will win the Super Bowl this year. That's their that's their default setting. People like this isn't. This is again. This is their default setting, but this team gives them good reason to believe that this could, in fact, be the year. And I listen. The Eagles have got some soul searching to do. Um, they went through their gauntlet mostly unscathed. I think they went four and two on, on this huge stretch that they had, and salute to them. But they've got some some things they got to figure out as it relates to the best two teams in the conference right now. That they're competing with for a championship, you know. So, <laughs> oh man, my uncle said we if we win the Super Bowl, the internet better shut down. And I'll tell, I'll say this about the NFC as a, as a whole. Before I jump to the next topic, to me, the best teams in the NFL reside in the, in the NFC. Shout out to Baltimore. But if I had to have my own personal power rankings, to me, it's the Niners. It's the Cowboys. I guess I should take Baltimore at three, and then I would put Philly at four. To me, those are the top four teams. And then pick pick a team for the fifth one. Dolphins, Chiefs, uh, Lions, pick a team for five. Who cares? But to me, those are the four best teams in the NFL, and three of them are from the NFC. And so to me, if any three of those teams win, no matter who the opponent is on the AFC side, they should be the betting favorite in a Super Bowl matchup. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I w- but speaking of MVPs, great quarterbacks, great quarterback play, Cam Newton had some comments he made about Tua Tunga-Vailoa, uh, Dak Prescott, and Brock Purdy. And he said that they are game managers, that they are not game changers. And that has caused a lot of chatter on social media. And let me say this. Dak Prescott is playing really high-level football right now. Uh, Brock Purdy is playing really high-level. Like, in almost every advanced metric you care to name, Brock Purdy is either one or two. If he is not one or two, he is likely top five or top ten. And first of all, let me say, when did being a game manager become a bad thing? Why is, it, why is it a bad thing if you are simply a game manager, right? Like, everybody can't be Mahomes. Everybody can't be Josh Allen. Everybody can't be, I'll throw Joe Burrow in that mix. Everybody cannot be top-tier elite quarterbacks. And if you are hoping to find that, you are going to be desperately disappointed. Because it is really hard. Those are one-on-ones, right? They don't make those every day. Those models are not coming out on the showroom floor yearly, right? These are once-a-generation quarterbacks. And so if you can find a Dak Prescott who can distribute the ball, keep the turnovers down, lead drives, get, get your team into a place where they get a lead and your defense can now pin its ears back, and go after the quarterback. What is wrong with that? Like I like I, I really don't, I really am truly trying to understand what is wrong with that. That's number one. Number two, as a Niners fan, I need y'all to stop fronting on Brock Purdy. Like, listen, shout out to Nick Wright, shout out to Steven Ruiz from the ringer, and whoever else is out there still, still not believing in Brock Purdy. That that's first of all, that's your right, right? You that's your prerogative. But to me, you can can no longer continue to front on these gentlemen, right? I get it. Brock Purdy has an all-pro left tackle, all-pro tight end, all-pro wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk, if he was on a a, a team that wasn't as run-focused as the 49ers, would probably be a top-five wide receiver in football. I want you to say that again. Brandon Ayuk, if he was on a different team that was more pass focused, would be a top five wide receiver in the game. He is that good, right? But when you have all these other players around him, and I, last but not least, you got an all pro wide receiver in Christian McCaffrey. And a great defense, and a great like, why do we have to apologize? Why should he have to apologize for those things? Why should Dak have to apologize for having seen or having an ascending tight end in Ferguson or having uh, a Pollard having a good defense? Why do they have to apologize? It's a team sport, guys. Hello, it's a team sport. So, yes, you need all of those pieces because you look at what's happening in Kansas City. You look at what's happening with Mahomes, and they and he is essentially being told you have to make it happen for everybody on offense because if you don't make it happen we're not it's not going to happen and you look at the frustration that he's having right now when he's looking at wide receivers lining up, up upside when he's looking at uh tackles being set ineligibly when he's looking at tackles getting holding calls, when he's looking at offenses bogging down drop passes. All of this, and it is boiling over for him because it is not getting fixed. If the Kansas City Chiefs simply could have receivers who could hold on to passes, they might have one loss this year. One. So, no, Brock Purdy should not have to apologize for having great talent around him because guess what, guys? He's still got to deliver the ball to him. Tua still has to deliver the ball to those those weapons Dak still has to deliver the ball and so whether they are scheming themselves open whether it's great route running great schematic setup against a defense whatever you still gotta make the plays and those guys are doing it and they're doing it this comment says it Purdy is a top level qb in the nfl i have to give him that they're doing it at the highest of levels and they should not have to be made to feel bad or apologize or knock down a peg simply because they have great talent around them. That is, the, that is the purpose of having a team, a GM to build a roster that is set up in such a way that you don't need superhuman efforts from your quarterback to win games because it is a team game. And if you look across the landscape of the NFL, At the teams that make the Super Bowl and that win the Super Bowl, there are people there who are not elite all-time quarterbacks. Brad Johnson, Rich Gannon, um, Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, not Chris Winkie, I can see Jake DeLone, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, like the list goes on and on and on. You need a great team around you. And if you have a great team around you, then you can take a Brock Purdy and go to Super Bowl. You can take a Jimmy Garoppolo, my God, and go to a Super Bowl. My uncle says, Purdy is crazy. He plays on a rookie contract next year. He's definitely outplayed his contract. I have to look up how that works. I think he, he might be eligible for a new deal after this season, or it might be one more season. All of those things that I've said aside, the Niners should be wary of signing Brock to a major deal. Should he get a raise? Absolutely. Should he get Mahomes level money? Absolutely not. Because I do think signing that type of deal then means the level of talent around him slips. And yes, his play will slip some to what degree it slips is up to him, right? Because here's the thing about a quarterback. The quarterback can elevate the level of play. And again, I think you've seen all of those gentlemen do that at certain times this year. But when you start pulling pieces off the board, you're asking at that point your quarterback to make up for whatever we lose on the offensive line, at the I'm sorry, at the skill positions, on the defense, whatever we lose there in terms of top tier talent, you have to make up that difference. And that's where the Josh Allens of the world's coming to play. That's where the Mahomes and the Burrows come into play because you can take these things off the table for those guys and they can still make it happen. Yes, he's earned a raise, but I mean, he's not going to be able to get a raise without this comment says he's, he, uh, I'm saying a raise, not top QB money. Yes, he's earned a raise for sure, but you're not going to take him from 800,000 to 15 million and think that's going to be enough it's going to be in 20 25 million dollars to me when you get into 30 for purdy uh to me that now that's too rich for my blood personally but his play has warranted that kind of money so we'll see what happens on that on that standpoint um let me see are there any games worth talking about here in week 15 i do not think so i mean yeesh nah Nah, I think I'm about to call it a night, guys. I'm looking – I mean, Cowboys, Bills, is and Eagles, Seahawks are going to be interesting because of the mm-hmm. NFC East race. Um, Bills – so I'll say this about the, about the AFC. Bills, Bengals. I put up a, a poll at Brains and Bars on Twitter around weeks eight or nine, and I asked the question, if you had to place a bet on which team is going to make the playoffs at this point – because at that point, I think they were both below 500 – who would you take? Bills or Bengals? The poll results favored the Bengals over the Bills. I personally thought the Bills were in better shape because I thought their schedule was not, the gauntlet was not as steep for them as it was for the Bills. And I thought that the vision was an easier climb given the, the Jets and the Patriots. Right now, I believe those two teams are 10th and 11th place. I still believe that the Bills can make the playoffs just because, one, they still have their starting quarterback. Two, because teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to – who are starting to fall off, their, their ride is turning back into a pumpkin. But it'll be interesting to see if those two teams can make the playoffs because they, they have built themselves, dug themselves into a huge hole. They require They're going to require a lot of help to make it to the playoffs. However, if by chance they should happen to make it to the playoffs – The Bills in particular, for me, that is the team that I think can come out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. Because if you look at this right now, here are the quarterbacks that are currently in the playoff picture. Lamar Jackson, Tua, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, whoever the Cleveland Browns are starting right now. Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett for the Steelers. The Colts regard the men's CJ Stroud's a rookie. Russell Wilson, they're not asking him to do a lot. Um, and then the last team in front of Buffalo is uh, Jake Browning. Right? Like, obviously, at the top, it's a top heavy list, but I think the Buffalo Bills can compete with, with the Baltimore Ravens. I think they can compete. They already blown out Miami once. They beat in Kansas City. They can complete. They lost to Jacksonville, but they can compete with Jacksonville. They can beat, like, To me, they have, shout out to Lamar Jackson, they have the best quarterback remaining because when Josh Allen is on, he is Thanos, and he is incredibly hard to stop. So I don't know what's going to happen in the AFC. I think part of the optimism of Chiefs fans is they're looking around at the quarterbacks who are, are competing for playoff spots and Super Bowl spots, and they don't see a lot of names that they fear. I would caution them by saying this, your team is asking, is asking your quarterback to put its entire team, at least offensively, on its back and carry it. There's no room for error offensively for the Chiefs. For all of these other teams, including teams like uh this, well, that's too far. But the Jaguars, the Bills, um, the Ravens, there's margins of error for them because their skill position players are more reliable than what's happening in Kansas City. So I'll be curious to see what happens on that end um, and see what ha- how these AFC playoffs shake out. I think there's a clear hierarchy at the top of the NFC. you got the, the Eagles, uh, Cowboys, and Niners, and then there's the next level, and then there's everybody else. But we'll see what's going to happen, man. Y'all let me know what y'all think. Hit me up at Brains and Bars. Who do you have at this juncture being your Super Bowl representative? If I had to put two names out there, I would go Baltimore and San Francisco. Um, I do think those are, right now, those are the two most complete teams in the NFC and AFC, respectively. So if I had to pick a cho- make a choice at this, going into Week 15, Baltimore, San Francisco. But, hey, these things, it's a week-to-week league, and these things change on a dime. Y'all let me know who y'all think. Who y'all got going to the Super Bowl this year at this point? Yeah. Will that change for you, depending on what happens in Week 15? Hit me up at Brains and Bars on Twitter, YouTube. I'm sorry, Twitter or Facebook. Um and Instagram. That's the show for the night. I'm out of here. I'm a little pooped from all the the Mexican travels, Puerto by all to living. So I'm about to get up out of here. Kick it with the family for the rest of the night. Y'all be easy. How y'all be easy? Please remember you can check out every episode of It's a Black and White Thing. Going to the podcast app of your choice, searching for It's a Black and White Thing or Brains and Bars. You can also follow us on YouTube. Shout out to those who watch me on YouTube um, at Brains and Bars rate subscribe comment share i appreciate everybody who joins me this week try to have this episode up tomorrow until next time y'all be easy good night